0: Hello, I'm Michelle Ransom-Hughes, and welcome back to Oh My Daisy, a little experiment from Oh My Dog. When I was stuck at home last year, I decided to hop online and ask a bunch of dog people the same set of questions. At the outset, the only thing these people had in common was having a dog in their life named Daisy. And in part one, we got to know their five lovely and wildly different Daisies. In part two, we go a little deeper. I should let you know, people are sharing stories about loss and big feelings in this episode, so listen when you're okay with that. Now, to refresh your memories, let's kick off with something kind of silly. This is a weird one. If she was a type of music, what would it be?
1: She'd be Lil Wayne. (laughs) Love it. A, she just seems to enjoy when I put him on. Um, B, he's kinda like little, but he's ballsy and he's energetic, but I think Lil Wayne's really sweet and it's Daisy.
0: <laughs> That's Cassidy talking about her Daisy, the cancer survivor. They live in Sydney. It
2: would be something light, something
0: happy, and something fairly predictable. <laughs> So,
2: happy classical music, I would say.
0: Lydia from Minnesota in the US. Her daisy's an elderly Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Tom in Melbourne's next. He wanted to memorialise the family dog he had growing up. His daisy was an effervescent Jack Russell Terrier.
3: She could be pretty punk at times. yeah, she, she, loved the, she loved being outdoors a lot as well. So I suppose an, an irreverent kind of folk. Maybe Bob, Bob Dylan, like late Bob Dylan-ish. <laughs> Maybe.
0: Probably a trumpet. <laughs> She's really noisy. Sue's Daisy is a pedigreed German short-haired pointer. They're in Albury, New South Wales.
4: I don't know, she'd be some sort of dark maybe a little bit gothic or something, you know, She's, you because know, she's got a sensitive soul, but she can be a bit playful as well, yeah.
0: Luke's from country Victoria. His Daisy is a staffy Kelpie cross. I asked all of them, what do you think Daisy sees in you? <sighs> I think she adores me. <laughs> I'm her person. She owns
2: me. I am to make her life comfortable. When she has been scared, she comes to me for comfort. So, you know, I'm I'm a spot of comfort for her and and she owns me.
1: I think about this a lot. On her grumpiest days, I'm a roommate. And then on the best days, I really think she thinks of me as like a mummy. <laughs> They're so good for your mental health because A, they love you so much, but B, whenever I feel like I'm kind of messing up everything else in my life, I think that I'm a pretty decent dog mom. It's like at least I've got that going.
4: I'm a bit anxious at times, so I hope she views me and I'm not too anxious, but I know we're pretty close. She's definitely my sidekick, so I hope she views you know me as her number one you know, number one person. Um, Since Jess and I have been together, she absolutely adores her too. So she shares the love, that's for sure. We're a pack, my partner just said, so it's true. (laughs) You know, I've had, um, you know, again, a lot go on in the last 10 years, um, especially when I got her early on in the piece. I got her in 2009. In 2010, I lost both my parents within five months and... To have her at that time was pretty big, to be honest, you know? So the routine of, you know, feeding her, letting her outside or going outside and just takes your mind off things, you know? I don't think much else would, would have done in that situation, you know? Yeah, if I didn't have her, I would have been in a big trouble, I guess. And and the fact I think I've mentioned to you that she is sensitive, like she's really aware of what's going on, you know, so if you are a bit down, she will definitely come up and give you a bit more kisses or... No, she'll kiss you on the face, you know, if she gets her nose right in there. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes she'll do that when you're asleep while she's just checking up that you're okay. you know.
3: Whenever we were... You know, you'd, you had a bad day or something at school, or were, you know, bored or upset in, in your own way. She'd she'd seek you out pretty actively. Um, she was also she wouldn't let you stay in bed for too long. There was usually a cut off any time past nine thirty or ten in the morning. She'd jump up on the bed and and let you know in in no, yeah, in no small terms that you should get up.
0: Have you ever thought that she can read your feelings?
3: I just remember any time I was I was feeling any sort of grief or particular sadness, she was very receptive to that.
0: Oh,
5: look! I'm sure all dogs can. You know, she picks up when you dis- you disapprove of her. She picks up when you're happy with her. You know, they ha- dogs have this innate ability to be able to read people. I think.
4: Yeah, I mean, even just recently with my partner just being pregnant and Daisy being around, it was almost like she knew that that Jess had a baby in her tummy, you know, the way she would be gentle around her and look at us. And, yeah, it's a really interesting thing. This makes me wonder what dogs really know, I guess, you know, or can sense.
1: Um, I worry when I stress that I'm going to stress her out but she can definitely tell when I'm sad the night I found out she had cancer I was just hysterical I was sobbing and she like was all up you know snuggling up to me trying to comfort me and kind of looking at me like what's wrong I'm like it's you you're sick and you have no idea um I've
2: been really I have you know empty nest issues etc you know and i've been really really incredibly sad and she will just come and curl up as tight as she can and stay beside me
0: until i'm done being you know boohoo really sad when lydia's sons moved out she brought home a cavalier puppy and named her daisy she hoped her pup would grow into a therapy dog
2: She didn't become a therapy dog until she was kind of in her golden years or middle-aged. But uh, what sealed the deal was the accident my nephew had. He had a traumatic brain injury from being hit by a car when he was 25 years old. And he loved her before he got hurt. He really enjoyed having her around uh, visiting.
0: She took Daisy to see him in hospital. And even severely injured, he'd grab at Daisy's leash –
2: he was nonverbal, couldn't walk, couldn't talk, um, semi-comatose. They had a fundraiser for him. They brought him out of the hospital to go to this fundraiser. And, uh, you know, he's in a wheelchair. And I put Daisy on on his lap and he put his arms around her, leaned forward and kissed the top of her head three separate times. And she loved it. And that's when I knew
0: she had to be a therapy dog. Daisy and Lydia began to do the work, becoming qualified, then visiting local hospitals.
2: Depression and anxiety wards, she's been to those and um, one particular instance, she uh, we went there and there was only one person in the room and this lady was already sitting in a chair. And Daisy and I... You know, got buzzed into the ward.
1: <laughs> Emma, stop.
2: Anyway, she went and um, went over to this lady, put her head on the lady's, she laid down and put her head on the lady's shoe and promptly went to sleep. And the woman pulled her foot back and scooted the chair back. Oh, I'm so sorry. And Daisy got up and she's very vocal, but without barking. She does a lot of sighs and it's adorable but anyway she was like she stood up she got she walked over she laid back down and then she rubbed her head into the lady's foot and went back to sleep and this woman came off the chair and sat down on the floor and started petting Daisy and started to tell me about this dog she has at home you know and how much she cares about her dog and we had a nice conversation when our time was up and it was time to go, the woman had left the day room and the nurses came over to me and said, she's been here two weeks and hasn't said one word to anyone. And, and all it took was a little dog to go and put her head on the lady's foot and go to
1: sleep.
0: <laughs> they also made visits to the local Hope Lodge every fortnight. That's an American Cancer Society hostel or home from home. One particular occasion, we were looking
2: for people that wanted to say hi or, you know, pet a dog to just make themselves feel normal with all the stuff going on in their life. Daisy kind of like, she's very obedient. She she is very good about not getting on people's laps without being invited, etc. You know, so it kind of surprised me in this particular instance that we walk into this room and she just, walked right over to this woman sitting on a couch. She hops up on the couch, crawls on the lady's lap and lays down, let out a big sigh, wiggled herself, made herself at home. And the woman just leaned forward, put her arms around her and just sobbed. You know, and I found out, you know, talking to her that um, she had been undergoing cancer treatment for four months. She had left her little dog, you know, 600 miles away and um, this was the first time she touched a dog. And I realized after talking to her that there was a motorized wheelchair beside her and that she was wearing a very beautiful wig and she was very ashen in color, but Daisy didn't care. And that's what you know, therapy dogs can do for people. They know that this person needs this attention.
0: Ask anyone with a therapy dog and they'll tell you these visits are work, no matter how easy the dogs make it look. So it's not something dogs can do their whole life.
2: She was actually starting, it was starting to take a toll on her. She would literally sleep. Uh, You'd have to wake her up to have her go outside or wake her up to feed her for a couple of days after we were doing visits the last six months we were visiting because her heart problem had started to progress enough that You know, all that activity outside of her normal routine was kind of wearing her out. She already was sleeping 20 hours a day. You know, they're like having a cat, Cavaliers are. It was like, you know, I would like to be able to see my dog. (laughs) And so she retired in 2014. So she's, you know, cruising. Just basically whatever she wants, Daisy gets.
0: And has there been much of a change in Daisy in the time that she's been with you?
1: She's still very much a puppy. She's so energetic. People ask me her age and I'll say eight and they'll say eight months. And I'm like, nope. (laughs) If anything, she's just better with being left alone (laughs) when I go to work and stuff. Like she's quite happy in her own time. Whereas she used to... Act like the world had ended when you'd go anywhere. She's just she's become a nice young independent lady. I think she's become more settled.
5: Um, because when you get an older dog, it's quite different to getting a puppy. And she was really unsure. And she'd come from an environment where there are quite a lot of dogs. And you know, we give her say dog biscuit in the house, and she'd run off to a corner to eat it where she doesn't do that now. I've had her from eight weeks to 15 years.
2: And, you know, she is the quintessential old lady now. It must lay on cushions, must be pampered. It is hot outside. Are you really going to stay outside? Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Tom brought the long view here, reflecting on Daisy's life with his family at home and on their bush block.
3: When you're a kid, I think a a dog um, has this sort of um, immortal quality about them where they're just, you know, constantly animated and, and physical and, you know with you in all of your play and in all of the things that you're doing. And, and then as we got older, especially into later teens and early 20s, it, it was clear that, you know, mortality and age and stuff were catching up with her and um, the, your relationship changes. you sort of, you're, you're understanding her limitations and, and um, yeah, the, the way life catches up with them too and they and they give you a lot of meaning that way, I think, as well, um, in the same way they give you a lot of fun when you're a, a little kid. In the beginning, there was a sort of grey area where she was just a bit slower, uh, and the the reflexes she had, which were pretty prodigious, um, started to fade a little bit, but still you know still very much the the dog that you know and and you can interact with in the same way. I think in, the first thing to begin to go was was her vision. She's sort of got a cataract-style um, thing that impeded her a little bit in that sense and a little bit of hearing loss and then gradually, you know, less and less um, ability athletically and in terms of her reflexes. And then one day you notice she's an old dog and she's much grayer and, and much slower and much, um, you know... Will seek out warmth and sleep a lot more than she'll seek out play and all that kind of thing. So, um, and that that happened over a course of about five years. But you, in the last two years or one year, you, you notice it a lot more, and, and you 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 take you have to take on the fact that it it's a different dog now, and um, it's the same in so many ways, but just um, impacted by all of that inevitable stuff.
0: Did her feistiness change as she aged?
3: We had a moment um, in the last sort of few months of her life where she got out again. She had one last escape and she just went down the road, but she, she had one last go. We still don't know how she got out, but um, she ended up in someone's backyard and we went and picked her up. And um, yeah, she was, she was still at, at, her, at her antics even towards the end. I was with my dad, I would, we'd both had the day off and we'd been kind of monitoring her over a, a, a period of months. And um, I, I hadn't been home as much because I was sort of seeing my partner and, and spending a lot of time out of the house. So it was really falling to, to mum and dad to take care of her most of the time. Um, and she was, she was just you know, losing a lot of faculty and, you know, incontinent and that kind of thing and it, it, it just became clearer and clearer that the 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 medical case for it all was was very very difficult we knew that we she'd have to be put down um, and for a long period of time we were you know very reluctant but we just we just knew and then I think it, it came down to it and uh, I spent the day with dad before and after it happened and um, it was a very 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 sad day but That morning it was really, really bright um, outside in the garden and um, I sort of patted her and spent a lot of time with her that that morning and uh, handed her off to Dad who I'm so thankful was able to do it and had the strength to do it because it was an extremely difficult thing. She she got so old and, and had lived such a long time and her quality of life and, and the way that she had been was so diminished that I think that there was, um, it, it didn't feel necessarily like we were robbed or were robbing her or anything like that. It was it was a, a clear a clear transition, I guess.
0: This is a bit of a hard one, but how do you feel thinking about a time when she's no longer with you?
5: We went through losing our old girl in December.
4: And you know, still getting over that one. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I try not to think about that too much, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it will happen. And I've, I've had dogs in the past, and I would always normally say to myself, oh, it's just, you know, the old silly saying "If it's just a dog and it happens and whatever. But um, I can't pretend that I'll be pretty devastated when it does happen. I was still very sad when, you know, a couple of you know a couple of them have passed away. But I think it'll be proper grief when I lose her.
2: Well, that is something because she's fifteen that I have thought about. It is a hard question, um, and it, it will be quiet, even though she's a very quiet dog there's a quietness because we, we had a Springer Spaniel when our kids were growing up and when she passed away, there was a silence in the house. It was like her breathing was missing and that silence. I, I'm not looking forward to, Mm -hmm. however, knowing that she would not live forever. Um, we got younger dogs <laughs> and um, those two are incredibly sweet. They're no Daisy. She is um, kind of like a measurement these days for families and family dogs. Well, she's no Daisy.
1: <laughs> um, oh, I try not to. I know my friends and family think about it a lot because they worry that i wouldn't be able to cope and my answer to them is always i wouldn't (laughs) like i wouldn't be able to cope. so i try not to think about it but um those first few days after we got the diagnosis and before we really got a treatment plan in place and things started looking and i could be positive again it's all i could think about and i just couldn't imagine i just can't imagine it and even when she was in surgery that first surgery I had to sit at home and wait for her. my best friend sat with me and she just wasn't pitter pattering around the house. And it was so sad. And I just kept thinking, what if this was forever? Like what if she was never pitter pattering around the house again?
3: Yeah. There's just something that you notice or that I've noticed very much in, in not having a dog around the house, that there's just something in the activity that they bring and the curiosity that they bring and. Um, you know, the attention that they need and all that kind of thing that um, just fills a space that's very empty otherwise.
4: I've even contemplated having her taxidermed, I don't know if I will because, you know, she doesn't, she looks a bit different now and if she's sick you don't want to have a reminder of a sick dog, I don't know, but it did, it has entered my mind, yeah.
1: But then when we got the treatment plan in place, And the outcomes are so good. Like, as I said, there's 97% chance the cancer's not going to come back now, which is incredible. Um, I started being able to be positive again and trying not to ever think about it. Having been through it in the past,
0: do you think it becomes something more manageable or not? I don't think it is, actually.
5: You know, because I've had dogs since 1974, and obviously a lot of dogs have been in my life and died, but... um, yeah, I don't think you ever
3: get used to it. Dogs will often leave a kind of physical mark of, on the landscape of where they've been, you know, holes they've dug and, uh, you know, places where they've rested or, you know, tramped down the leaves to, to go to sleep and that kind of thing. And uh, I love still finding some of those places. Um, or f- she molted a lot as well, like small white hairs, uh, to the absolute dismay of my mum. But... Uh, that's always a lovely thing. Still finding some of that, uh, even just um, you know places where she'd hide bones, or um, places that she used to sleep in a sort of a, a bow under a tree, or a you know tramp down area of ferns or something, or even like old toys that we'd had as kids that had mysteriously disappeared and we'd find chewed to oblivion later on. But you you know you find those in the garden, it's the Star Wars toys, the Lord of the Rings toys. <laughs> that have got a totally mangled head, (laughs) um, which, you know, you you hate at the time but become very sweet little artefacts later on.
0: What do you love most about living with a dog? The best thing about living
2: with a dog is you're not thinking about your aches and pains as much as, well, you know... Like clockwork. Even though it was a weekend, we we had to get out of bed at six thirty in the morning because that's the time we go to the bathroom in the morning. <laughs> keeps
5: uh, Keeps the world turning, and it's not all about you. Oh, look it's just it's just the companionship. Something else is there, um, and you know I've had dogs for so long. I can't imagine not having a dog.
0: Yeah, right. You literally haven't been without them?
5: Not since I was 23, and I'm now 69.
3: Just having another being there that is doing its own thing at all times and checks in on you and, you know, has its own very present kind of agenda, is um, it, it, it fills you up psychically in a way that pretty much nothing else does.
1: She sleeps, like, directly beside me, like, lengthened out like we're an old married couple. (laughs) If I have a boy over, uh, which is rare, she sleeps in the middle of us. Um, But once a guy said to me, can't she sleep on the floor? And I said, you can sleep on the floor.
4: Yeah, again, it's that thing of, you know, if you've had a crummy day or you come home from work, especially when when I was, you know, single, You've got somebody there to look after, um, and somebody to hang out with you. Uh, just in short, she's just been one of the best things that happened in my life. Yeah, pretty, pretty cool dog. Pretty cool, yeah, partner in crime.
2: You know, I, I, I wanted a dog that I could do things with, and she. My sister in law has called her. Um, my dream come true. I'm going to cry. In reality, she's my dream come true.
0: A big thank you to these great sports for taking part in interviews for Oh My Daisy. Lydia Gammel, Thomas Jones, Luke Laver, Cassidy Waldron and Sue Thurley. It was really hard to choose what to include here from all the stuff you shared with me. Thank you. Oh My Dog is produced independently on Tourable Jagera land by me, Michelle Ransom-Hughes, for Alongside Radio. Sound details for this episode are up on the website and there's also a place to donate if you feel like supporting us to make Season 3. Finally, thank you so much for listening. I hope the show brings a smile.
1: just wait till you have your first kid and that love that you feel i'm like god i hope it's not I hope it's not that much more than daisy because i don't think i could i don't think my heart could take it <laughs>